Paul says, I desire to depart and be with Christ. For that is far better. Now, when Paul says depart, he's not talking about a plane or a train, is he? No, I mean, you you realize what he just said there? I mean, basically he just said, I'd rather die. All all things being equal, I'd just rather die and, and go on to be with Christ. That is far better than anything that this world holds for me. It, it's far better than the vacation you have this summer. It, it's far better. Hey, watch this. It's far better than being healed. It's far better than getting revenge. It's far better than a better job. It's far better than anything and everything that is wrong in your life right now. Just being miraculously corrected right now. It's far better than all of that. Now, now, when he says that, when he's thinking this way, making a statement like that, he's not devaluing the importance of this life, living on this earth. As a matter of fact, in, in the very context of Philippians chapter 1, he talks about how important it is that, that he not depart, and, and that, that he live the life that God has given him, that he fulfill the call to which he's called him in this life. He talks about all that. He just said, it'd be far better If I could leave and go to heaven. If I could leave and go and be with Christ. Do do we believe that? Do we think that way? You know, I mean, it is Sunday morning, right? It is church. I'm guessing that across this room, we'd be 90, 95%, maybe more, that would say, well, well, sure, of of, of course I believe that. I I believe in heaven. I believe that's far better than anything on this earth, far better than anything this earth holds. Maybe we would think about things like the streets of gold, seeing God, reward, good, no bad days, no death, no disease. Uh, Of course, heaven is, is better. We believe that. But I guess my question, my challenge for us today is, does that belief ever actually get translated down into where we live day in and day out? Does it actually provide real life uh, hope? I mean, day in and day out. Does it become a real life desire for us? Is it something that affects us as we walk through each and every day? Now, I'm not going to say that, that I don't or that you don't desire heaven. I can't say that. I don't know that to be true. I, I would actually make the assumption that, that most of us do. But I wonder sometimes in the same way that we would say, I believe in heaven, I desire heaven. Do we desire it the same way we desire other things? You know, we've got things in our life, don't we? I hope you do. Some things out there that you look forward to, that you're excited about. You, man, I can't wait till that happens. I sure hope, and and we're looking forward to something. And maybe it might be tickets to the big game. Like for me, for instance, just got tickets to the Texas A&M, South Carolina game, caught football game August 28th. Pretty stoked about that, but that's not what this is about. But you know what? We look forward to that, don't we? Man, got tickets to the big game. Maybe it's vacation this summer. You know, maybe it's a, a, a family event that you've got going on. Maybe it's a, an event here at church or for you, an event at work. When we've got those things out there, we make financial decisions in light of that, don't we? We calendar it. 
We, we're, we're talking it up among each other. We're talking about it around the dinner table. As a matter of fact, some of these things out here, we can be so excited about. We can be so looking forward to them. They can actually make a bad day better, can't they? I mean, it's been a bad day. But boy, I just stopped and think, hey, at least we're going on vacation this week. You know, it can, it can make everything better. I mean, goodness gracious, folks, go home and look on your, your Facebook feed this afternoon. See how many you can find where somebody's counting down the days till they go to the beach. We all understand that, right? Folks, we don't talk about heaven like that. That's not how we talk about heaven. That's not, that's not how we think about heaven. That's not how we act about heaven. And when, I, when I'm talking about having a hope, a, a, a desire in heaven, I'm talking about like what Paul said, where he actually would say, hey, listen, anything in this life, man, it's far better. It's far better. That's what I'm thinking about right now. It's far better to go and be with God. Or I think of, of like that statement that the psalmist made in, in Psalm 84. He said, my soul longs. It, it, it faints for the courts of the Lord. One day. I'll take one day there. Oh, over a thousand anywhere else. Now, 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 Paul's just said, heaven, God, far better anywhere else, anything else, to do or be anything else. And now the psalmist is saying, man, I long for, for one, one day. Where would you spend a thousand days? If money was no object, if there was, there was no negative ramifications, you know, in relationships or work, if, if you could spend a thousand, that's almost three years, right? If you could spend a thousand days anywhere, where would you spend them? You know, psalmist just said, wherever it is, I would take one day in heaven over that. One day. One day. And, and I long for that day. He, he actually says there, I faint. Well, what does that mean? I mean, he actually passes out. Have you seen those goats? If you scare them, they just, they just fall right over. <laughs> it's a crazy thing. I, I don't know where these goats have been all my life. I just learned about them recently. I want one of those things. You come home, bad day, boo! <laughs> so so is, is that what the psalmist is talking about? You just walk up and say, heaven! And he just passes out. Or is he saying, you know what? I, I, can, I, you know, I can think about heaven for about two and a half minutes. But you get on toward three and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to black out. Well, no, probably not. <laughs> you, know, you know, he's probably speaking somewhat figuratively, poetically here. Hey, folks, whatever he means in that, it, is that how you and I, is that how we talk and, and think about heaven? No, it, 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 it really isn't. It's a belief, but that's, that's not the experience we're having, is it? You know what, folks, and, and again, I'm a little bit on a skeptical train about you and me, and, and I'm not saying I'm right, I'm not saying it's fair, but I'm going to go ahead and finish my train. You know, I think when we long for heaven... It's not as much that we're longing for heaven as much as it is we're just tired of here, right? You know, when, when, I long for heaven when I'm overwhelmed with the evil of this world. Maybe, maybe that evil has hit me, touched me. Maybe I'm watching the news and saying, good Lord, God, how much worse can it get? Surely you're, you're coming again. Surely it's, it's time for heaven. Or, or, or maybe the kind of the aches and pains of this world, this body are increasing and the pleasures are decreasing. I think that's what we call aging. Yeah, then, then heaven starts to look greater. You know, sometimes I, I guess this probably goes with age too 
sometimes, heaven starts to hold more people that we love than the earth does. But, you know, folks, think about it. A lot of the times that we're thinking about longing for heaven, it's something negative that has kicked that off. It's something we don't like about where we are that is, has kind of moved us that direction. But when I'm listening to Paul, when I'm listening to the psalmist here, they're not saying anything negative about their world. They're not, they're not well, you're not going to believe the day I had, but I'd just rather go on to heaven. They're not making any negative comment at all. It is a pure desire for God's presence, a pure desire for heaven, regardless of anything good or bad that they're experiencing here in this world. Now, I think there are some, some reasons that, that we don't long for heaven. Again, I keep saying that as if it's a fact that you don't, and I may not be right about that. But, but we don't long for it like we do vacation. We don't long for it like we do the big game or this big event. I think there's some reasons. I think I'm going to mention two, and they actually kind of go together. I've talked about some of this before. Uh, I think one reason we don't long for heaven is we've got bad information or vague information. Now, I assume mostly for this group, bad information is not as much the problem. You know, I think sometimes people, you know, out there, you know, the reason they don't long for heaven is because, you know, they, heaven's kind of been defined for them as an eternal church service. Not, not very appealing. I, I don't know that I want to go to church like forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I mean, you don't ever get to sit down. You just sing and sing and sing. You know, that's not going to be so appealing to some. Or, or, or maybe they think of it. You know, I, I, I think you float on a cloud and play a harp. I don't know. You know, here again, see, for me, not so appealing. Not, not what I'm living for. Now, I'm again, nothing in Scripture says anything like that. And I'm assuming that's not where most of us are, that we've just got some really wrong ideas about what heaven is. But you know where I do think a lot of us are? In vagueness. Not Vegas. <laughs> Vagueness, okay? Because that's not heaven either, by the way. Um, you know, if you think about what you and I desire for heaven... I've been thinking about this a lot this week. You know what we desire? The first day. I mean, you think about, I, I can't wait to see God. Man, to see the living God, to, to see my Savior, Jesus Christ. And yeah, man, throw in the streets of gold. That's going to be cool to see. What does heaven look like? And, and then, of course, we do. We want to see those family, those friends that are followers in Christ. We, we want to see them, that, that great reunion. But what, how long does it take to do all that? A, a day? Week? A month? But then comes the big question. Then what? Okay, after I've seen everybody, after I've seen everything, then what? I mean, what, what actually do you do forever and ever and ever? And I think, I think that's where a lot of us, it just kind of launches into vagueness. And, and folks, vagueness will not inspire desire. It just won't. We're not going to have a strong hope that gets us any and every day when it's just kind of a blank screen. That's not going to happen. Hey, that's what this series is about. That, that's what we're going to be trying. We're going to try to put some meat, some, some flesh on the bones of heaven. We're going to realize, hey, wait a minute. Why are we ignorant of all this? God actually has shared a lot in his word about what we're going to be doing. What's going to be going on? How old are we? What are we going to look like? What are they going to look like? 
all, you know, all these kinds of things. We're going to be focusing a lot on what heaven is like and what it can mean to our world today. So I think one reason is wrong information, vague information, and that kind of leads right to the second reason. Because when we look at heaven, it's just kind of vague, and then we are left looking at the earth, which is very real to us. So what happens is instead of longing for heaven, I'm longing for earth. I want to be wealthy here. I want to be healthy here. I want love here. I I want happiness here. Folks, it's not that there's anything wrong with wanting good things and good experiences here on this earth. Man, the scripture has a lot to say about us enjoying and living good things and good experiences here on this earth. But I I don't know. You know, heaven's kind of vague for us. Earth is kind of real. And they're kind of, you know, that's that teeter-totter. And where's the tipping point? Where all of a sudden we tip And our focus just kind of gets locked in on working for here, living for here, focusing on here. Everything is about here. And then all of a sudden, folks, you and I arrive at the place where we're just the opposite of the psalmist. We would actually trade a thousand days there for one more day here. That's insanity. I'll give away a thousand days of light for one more day in the darkness. I'll give away a thousand days of truth for one more day in the lie. We need to fix that, don't we? Folks, we need heaven. That's not not an earth-shattering statement, is it? Yeah, of course, of course we need heaven. And, and maybe we know lots of reasons. And there are lots of reasons we need heaven. Let me, let me throw a couple out there. Maybe that wouldn't be what you always think of as, as to why we need heaven. We need heaven, number one, because we need justice. Your soul longs for justice. The right thing to be done. And you know what? Justice can be done on this earth, but it's, it's almost always incomplete. Let me give you an example. It's a horrible example, okay? It's kind of offensive example, so just brace yourself. I'm going to say it real quick. Let's say somebody comes in your home and murders a loved one. Okay, it's over. I said it. Okay, the person's caught, arrested, taken to jail, taken to trial. They're found guilty, and down comes the gavel from the judge. They're guilty, and and they're sent to life in prison. They're they're executed, whatever the, the case might be. And in that moment right there, we say justice has been, yeah, justice has been served. It usually takes a while for that to happen. Man, if that's you, God forbid that would ever be you. You sit there, man, you know, finally you can close that chapter. Finally your grief can, can take that next step forward. Maybe you're walking out of the courthouse and a reporter meets you there and says, do you, do, you, do you feel like justice was done today? How does this make you, you feel? Probably a little sense of victory, probably a little bit better, but then guess what happens? You go home and you walk through the door. Something's still missing. See, justice on this earth can sometimes take care of the evil, sometimes punish the evil, but it it can't restore the good, can it? Great, the person's punished, they're in prison, my loved one's still gone. And that's talking about when justice has been done. 
Man, let's not even get into all the places. I mean, what? For every one place justice is done, we all have what? 10, 15, 100 places justice wasn't done? Your, your family member, your friend, your coworker, your teacher, your boss, your enemy, they lied about you and they got away with it. They took credit for what you did and got away with it. They abused you and got away with it. Nobody ever acknowledged, nobody ever will acknowledge what you experienced and what happened. It, it's done. They got away with it. You were betrayed and they got away with it. Man, we, we got, we, justice isn't even completely done when justice is done. Let's not even start talking about all the places justice is not done. Folks, heaven brings us justice. In heaven, evil is completely, totally, rightly, perfectly eradicated and punished. And all of the good is restored. All of the good is reconciled. As a matter of fact, God says anything we've lost, especially in following him, especially in serving him, is, re- is restored to us a hundredfold. So, so not only is it, somebody want to clap for that? Go ahead, man. Yeah, praise God for that. Yeah, the, the, the evil's taken care of and the good is completely restored and experienced. That's justice. Only heaven can give you that. Second reason we need heaven is because that's where promises are fulfilled. That's where all the promises God gives are fulfilled. One of my favorite verses in scripture, it's a short one too. This is one to memorize. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, all God's promises find their yes in him. All God's promises find their yes in Jesus Christ. What an, an awesome statement. Now, that, that means a couple of things. There's a couple of ways that needs to be unwrapped. One of them is, folks, all God's promises are ultimately experienced in heaven. Man, heaven's a big place, isn't it? When you think of heaven, do you think of big? Right, you know, infinite boundaries. It just goes on and on and on. It's, it's big, it's glorious. We've got all eternity to explore heaven. All eternity to research and understand God and this, and this place he's created. And yet we've got this, this big, this immense, this massive thing we call heaven. One door. One door inside. Isn't that interesting? Usually the bigger the place is, the more doors there has to be, right? There must not be a fire code in heaven. That's actually kind of funny on several levels if you'll think about it, the fire and hell. And, you know, I didn't think of that the other two services. Shoot. Should have done something with that. Big, massive place. One, one door. One door in. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no matter how religious you are, no matter how good you are, no matter how good you're trying to be, no matter how much better you are than the people around you, no matter you got this religious duty fulfilled and this religious right covered, no one is coming in. Not one person is coming in. No one's getting the Father except through one door, one way, me, Jesus Christ. So when 2 Corinthians says all God's promises are yes in him, when you go through Christ, then there's every promise and every one is going to be filled. Now that's not to say there's not promises filled here and now, filled on this earth. The the scripture gives us a lot of promises that are completely related to living on this earth right here and right now. But, But there's always something because of this earth that's temporary about it. 
There, there's always something that's just not quite complete. Matter of fact, there's, there's promises in Scripture about, about healing and being healed. Matter of fact, a favorite promise, I don't actually usually relate it to physical healing. I relate it more to spiritual healing and being restored to God. But you all know that, that verse, by his stripes we are, by his stripes we're healed. Man, there's a promise there. And, and, and when people are sick, we're told to pray for people. We're told to, to pray for healing. And sometimes God does heal, right? And then what happens? They die later. I mean, even if you're healed, you still ultimately get sick and die again at some point. How about Lazarus? Did anybody get a better healing than him? He'd been dead in the grave four days. Jesus called him out, raised him to life. Lazarus is going to come now in just a moment. Lazarus, come on out and share a little bit of that experience with... No, I guess he didn't make it. Where is Lazarus? Yeah, yeah, he died. Great miracle. Great healing. But he did go on to die because, folks, everything in this world breaks and dies and gets lost. So ultimately, the promises are all filled in heaven. And Jesus is the access to that heaven. We need a place where all those promises come true. And lastly, it's, it's kind of connected. Maybe it might sound similar to you. I think it's different. We need hope. We need, hope. We, we need a hope that's not going to fail us. We, we need a hope that's not going to break. But do you realize you and I say, I hope, fill in the blank. I'm going to guess most of us say, I hope a hundred times before we fill in the blank with the word heaven. Folks, God has not given us this world as our hope. I, I can hope in things and it, it can work. Man, I, I hope this is the right decision. I, I hope this move is going to make things better. I, you know, I hope I'm going to get that, that raise. Well, I hope this is going to be a great vacation. Boy, we need that. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. I hope them. I hope they. I hope her. I hope him. I hope it. We hope and we hope and we hope. And here again, it's like that tipping point. Without even knowing it, pretty soon we've sunk every ounce of hope we have into a world where everything breaks, gets lost, or dies. I need, we need a hope that is greater than the power of the grave. I I need a hope that is greater than the power of brokenness. I need a hope that is greater than the power of darkness. Folks, heaven gives us that hope. A hope that will not fail. Folks, we need heaven because heaven is powerful for living this life. Heaven is powerful for giving us joy. No matter what breaks today, no matter what gets lost today, no matter what dies today, I can get in bed and say, hey, I still have heaven. That's not lost. I still have heaven. Folks, that's what this series is going to be about this summer. It's it's trying to see what the scripture shows us, what the scripture teaches about how real, about how concrete heaven is, about how powerful heaven is for right here and right now. Part of this series is just helping you and me obey scripture because every person in this room has disobeyed God's command on their lives in the passage that I'm going to read. Everyone, you say, you don't know if I've disobeyed this passage. Yeah, you did. I'm confident you did. I did. I'm confident you did. Maybe I should tell you the passage. That might clear some of this up. Look with me real quickly at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Kind of back half of your New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Or just keep scrolling down your phone until you see C-O-L-O-S-S-I-A-N-S. 
get to Timothy or Thessalonians. Thessalonians, Timothy, you've gone too far. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Colossians 3, verse 1. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ. Now, I said every one of us has disobeyed a command. That's not actually true. If you've been raised with Christ, you're about to get a command. Now, if you've not been raised in Christ, then this command doesn't apply to you. This command has not been given to you. There are commands that are given to both believers and unbelievers, but this is a command just to those who've been raised in Christ. Maybe, well, how do I know if I've been raised in Christ? Well, if you've come to faith in him, you've been raised in him. To me, that first sentence, in first line in, in, in Colossians 3, it kind of takes me back to Romans 6. Maybe you want to read that later this afternoon. Romans 6 talks about you and me being dead in sin. That's how you're born and that's how you live without there being a Christ, before Christ. We're dead in sin. We're separated from God. Really very important thought because what it means, folks, is your default destination is not heaven. Without something radically changing, you are not on your way to heaven. You're on your way to hell. That's what the scripture did. Why? Why? Because you're dead in sin. But when you realize that, hey, I'm not good enough to make myself not dead in sin. I'm not religious enough. Nobody can be to not make myself dead in sin. And we turn from faith and confidence in ourselves. We turn from, from sin. We turn from the world and we turn to the person of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for us on the cross. Then Romans 6 says we are made alive in Christ. Amen. I was dead in sin. And then when I was five, maybe 17 it may have been 48. But at that point, you recognized it, you turned to Christ, and you were made alive in him. Okay, if that's happened in your life, then the rest of this verse is for you. If you have been raised with Christ, here's the command, seek the things that are above. That is a command on your life. Did you do that yesterday? This doesn't say, hey, listen, when the pastor's talking about heaven or periodically, you know, this, this is a command. This is a way to live day in and day out. Did you seek the things above yesterday? How about last week? How about this? Have you made a single decision in 2014 directly related and connected to heaven? See, that's, that's not what we're doing with heaven, is it? And, and I say we, I'm, I'm in that. Folks, we have a command on our lives to seek, to pursue, to focus on, to think on, to make decisions in light, to make, make decisions in light of heaven. How would I make decisions in light? Hey, I'm tempted to lie. Now, wait a minute, I can't lie right here. I, I can't, I can't, heaven's about truth. I can't lie. Hey, I, I'm, I'm tempted to lust right here. Hey, wait a minute. I don't possess her. Heaven possesses her. Heaven decides what's right or wrong there, but not me. I can't do that. Wait a minute. I can't get revenge. Did you know that revenge is directly tied to going to heaven? You know why? Hey, justice will be done there. I don't make justice happen. And when I do, it's incomplete and a mess. I don't need to get justice. I can give forgiveness. Why? Because there's a heaven. See, folks, we're we're moving through each and every day, making decisions directly tied to, directly connected to heaven. That's the command of my life. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Man, I'm I'm, I'm a citizen of heaven is what Philippians 3 says. Am I living like a citizen? 
Man, we always say it's good to be home, right? Are, are you living like the great place to be would be heaven? What's heaven like? It's good. It's pure. It's true. Is that how I'm seeking to live? Good, pure, and true? Now, I, I'm guessing that the scriptures count on you being kind of dull-witted. I, I'm guessing the scriptures kind of count on us being thick-headed here because there's verse 2 where I think in the Latin it says, Hey, stupid! Let me say it again. And look what he says right over again in verse 2. Set your mind on the things that are above. I like the way the New Living Translation says, fill your thoughts with heaven. Folks, do you realize that's a command? And, and fill your thoughts with heaven does not mean, hey, you know what? Periodically, you just ought to stop and daydream about heaven. Hmm. That's not what the command is. Nothing wrong with stopping and daydreaming about heaven. That's not what it's saying to do though. It's not saying periodically when life just really starts to stink, stop and daydream. No, it's saying fill your mind with heaven. You don't go any amount of time at all, which just convicts me folks because I go days, weeks, and months without actually thinking a thought about heaven. And this right here implies I shouldn't be really moving at all without heaven constantly being front and center. As a matter of fact, if you were to read the rest of Colossians chapter 3, which I'm not going to do, you get to verse 5, and now that heaven is front and center, now that heaven is my motivation, I have now a motive, I now have an empowerment to put away sexual immorality, to put away lying, to put away hate, to put away all evil desires. Man, for most of us, that's tough stuff. We have a lot of failure in trying to do that. Hey, have you put heaven front and center? That's the order that Colossians 3 gives. Or you get down to verse 12 and with heaven front and center, there's a new motive, there's a new power to love and to forgive and to put on holy living. I'd say most of us probably struggle at least in one place with forgiving. Have you put heaven front and center? The joy of heaven, the gift of heaven, God's in heaven. Have you put that in front? See, if we're saying, hey, I struggle with forgiveness. Well, have you just done what the scripture said to do? Seek first heaven. Fill your thoughts with heaven. Then take that run at forgiving. Folks, this is what we're going after this summer. Put that meat, put that flesh on those bones of heaven. Fill our minds. So, I mean, you think about it, folks, all of life is choice. Oh, that dessert looks better than that one. I choose that one. <laughs> uh, that person looks better than that one. I choose that one. Do you know what we're doing? We're walking through life saying that looks better than heaven. That looks better than heaven. That looks better than heaven. That looks... But you know what? We never actually say that sentence, do we? We don't say, I choose sin over... No, but it's what we're doing with our choices because heaven's vague. So I'm going through the buffet of life, the buffet of my decisions, the buffet of my character qualities, and I'm choosing earth over and over and over and over because it looks more attractive to us than heaven does. I don't want that to be, do y'all? Man, I don't want that to be. I, I I want to know, I want to understand what God says. Folks, heaven is not to be a vague future. God gave us heaven to be a very present reality that guides everything we are and everything we do. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may it be so. Lord, I pray that as I walk throughout this week, would you open my eyes and my heart and my mind afresh to the places that I'm choosing the earth over heaven. 
The ways of the earth over the ways of heaven. Lord, let me see just real black and white. I, I think the earth, I think the ways of the earth are more attractive than you in heaven. And God, convict me of that. I don't, I don't want that to be the case. God, we, I commit to you this summer. We, we commit to you these, these six, seven, eight Sundays in front of us. Lord, could we be a different person at the end of this summer that has the ability to do little more than what you've commanded us to do and to fill our thoughts with heaven. And I pray it will give new direction, new joy, new peace, new rest, a new and fresh ability to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.